0: Is your anchor secure? Let's pop a top on this. keep the music. There's a
1: war going down, put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down, put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword again.
2: So
0: I'll gather your strength from the Holy One. What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm Coffee Mike. Sonny. I'm Micah. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by
1: Broken Records Ministry.
0: I was getting ready to ask who He's gonna say, you say it so good. That might be the best <laughs> I've ever heard. Ronnie's gonna lose his job. You're yeah. gonna say it tonight on the roundtable when we record. Uh, Not to timestamp this, Ronnie. <laughs> So today we're going to continue our discussion on foundations in part two. But before we drop the needle on that, I want to have a discussion on worship. What is it? Why is it important? Why do we do it? And I know talking to you yesterday, Micah, you were pretty excited about this topic. So I'm actually I'm going to sit back and I'm going to listen, Uh-oh. and you're going to lecture me. Oh no! no I'm just joking. That's all right. But I am yeah. going to hand it over to you.
3: Yeah, worship's vital part of our of our walk with God, and I think we misunderstand it a lot. Yes. I think we, we get the idea that that worship is the praise bands rocking and we're, we, we get, and that, and it can be that, but it's not only that, mm-hmm. you know, that can be a, just an emotional high or it can be genuine, genuine worship. And I think, I think we misunderstand what worship is and worship's a pretty broad category in itself it is. because it can encompass a lot of different, a lot of different things. And so. I'll, I was I was thinking this this morning I was like well I'm pretty passionate about this but I don't want to take over the conversation and then you you said that yeah, and so, gave me permission to I take know you gave, over me, gave me permission to to take over so <laughs> you don't have to feel guilty <laughs> but but genuine genuine worship worship with God and i think it i think it stems from John chapter 4 yep and um when we talk about you know we some of us are familiar with that passage about the woman at the well yeah and then the woman just tries to distract Jesus onto a topic, but you're yeah, smiling. deflection. Yeah, yeah, deflection. No, but, that, but it,
0: the the woman at the well's been coming up so much for me. That's why I was. like, Okay. Oh yeah, it's just that's awesome. I, I thought, I thought I you were. I, I thought you, you were going to go to the it. same.
3: I thought you were going go to the same passage. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> but 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 she gets in a conversation about worship, and she says, um, this is this is verse twenty. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And so she tries to distract him with a place. You know, because Jews and Samaritans, obviously, not to get a whole background history of it, but Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along at all. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Aiden so, and other. so they would worship in different places. And so she's trying to distract and say, "Hey, where's the right place to worship?" And Jesus' response is, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father." In other words, worship is not a place. And and we think, and and I and one of my Aggravations sometimes, and and I, I think we've done this at our church a little bit too. We try to stay away from it, but one of my aggravations, is we say, our worship service starts at ten o'clock. Well, it indicates that that's only the time of worship to me, you know. And 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 worship's an all the time, all the time thing. I was telling you guys before the podcast, I had kind of an emotional roller coaster week about two weeks ago, and. God just kind of hit me over the head with a, with a ton of bricks. And it was like, everything that you've prayed for, everything that you've asked for, I have provided for you. And I just sat there, you know, I was, I just, just finished, you know, trying to get rest for the day. And I was just kind of, I just sat there and was like, God, thank you. And just had a little pray service and that's worship. You know, it wasn't a big band. It wasn't a big hoopla. It was, it was me and the father having a conversation and then that and that's worship and 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 so it's a it's a genuineness of the heart is what i'm what i'm getting at and i yes. kind of taking i've t- kind of taken over a little no, bit. So. I it, it amazed me hoopla <laughs> well yeah well, you know i think <laughs> well you know the yeah I don't know. That, is that a real that, word i, I don't I know kind of that it, that i think word. it is, is it? And okay. we're gonna
1: bring it back it's, it, it it's, made it's, me it's, grin it's criminally <laughs> underused <laughs>
3: That's going to be my word, I guess. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Hoopla.
1: Like Hoopla Micah. Oh
3: there you go. There's the new handle, I guess. No, I don't okay. think i have to look at no, it. No, yeah. I, don't I don't think know. so. The more, <laughs> I, the more I think of it, the less yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I think that's really important because I think we have this idea that worship is just what you do for an hour and a half at most on yes. Sunday. yeah. And it's not it's so much more than that. that's part of it. Yeah. But it's so much broader than that. It's yep. it, that's not it. We can't limit it to that yes. to that time t- time slot and think right. that we're truly serving Him.
1: Yeah. Now, see, I I kind of think of worship of thankfulness. Yes. In mm-hmm. a way, too, it's not just praise. It's not just it's thankfulness. Um, like in those little moments, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, God revealed to you, hey, you've got everything that you asked for. Yes. Um, and that thankfulness is a is a form of worship. Because, like, there's little moments that I have like that that are just, you know, you're like, you know, thank you for that moment. Yes. You know, thank you for that time. And, um, and I think those are the times that I feel the closest. Yeah. I think those are the times whenever. And that's what it, I, I think that's what the Bible says. It says, you know, whenever you worship on a consistent basis, that's the closest. You know, that's whenever you feel the closest. Okay.
0: and well and just to add to that too what is you know the most high consistently rebuke the israelites for in the wilderness complaining a right. lack of gratitude right. that was his number one complaint when you look at that account was they were constantly complaining about what they didn't have right okay a total lack of gratitude for the most high so yeah i think i think a a a position of of gratefulness is very important when you enter into the presence to worship him critical and key i think
4: absolutely well, what and about what about uh worshiping him in spirit and truth. Yeah. Paul talks about that in Romans. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to get there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, f- no, you're I good. F- I, I forgot, forgot that's it was your show. Go ahead. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> <great>. no, my <laughs> no,
3: Not my <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's great. Yeah. Cause yeah. we, we had, we do have to do that it has to be truthful, has to be sp- spirit led and spirit filled. And I think sometimes we wrongly equate an emotional experience with spirit led. Mm hmm. And that it doesn't can be hard
4: to discern between, I, I mean, for a lot of folks, I, it really can. Well,
3: I think sometimes we, we get that. I think if, I think the way to tell is if it lasts. You
4: mean yeah. after the songs over type yeah. thing.
3: Yeah. You know, if I, if, you know, I'm, you know, the, and I don't mean to, to pick on church with bands. I'm not trying to do that, but you know, the band's rocking the bands, you know, everything's exciting. It's lively and it's, and it's vibrant. And then we walk out and that's it then we've had an emotional spirit experience. We haven't had a spirit filled worship. And I think that's where the spirit comes in. Cause he says those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We've got to worship him in, in spirit. Yes, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I think with that energy, that genuineness, that, that, that passion of the, of the heart. And I think when we do that, and the, and the problem I think is everybody worships differently. Right. I'm more animated. I like to raise my hands. I like to, you know, I like to just, you know, get into that. And music music speaks to me really, really well. It doesn't speak to other people. Other people are more quiet and more reserved. They're not going to raise their hands. And so we can't say, well, because you didn't do that, you didn't worship. Right.
4: But how many times have you heard someone say that?
3: Exactly. And that's the problem. And then we, and that's why we miss that. Right. Because we were looking at something which to put our hands on in worship.
4: Yeah. Well, I think back to what Paul said in Romans. You should be a living sacrifice, because yes. you know there's no need to sacrifice animals for a burnt offering anymore. Yeah. So, be the living sacrifice yeah. in worship.
3: It's it's an it's an attitude. Did I see of our, your thunder there, Carl. Nope. Okay. It's a, it's an attitude of our of our heart. You know what? You know only me and God know that.
4: Right. Right.
3: When I come into His presence to worship. You know, you have people raising their hands, you have people jumping around, you have all this stuff going on, but only me and God know whether that's genuine or whether that's for a show.
4: Mm-hmm. Ticket a box.
3: Well, if I, if I, if I want people to look at me and say, this is how it's done, look at me, it's the wrong type of worship. Yeah. Because it always points, always points to him.
1: <laughs> and see, like on Sunday, um, you know, I, I end up attending the church you guys go to and you know, and I'm standing there and, and I started feeling that little, I wouldn't say it's anxiety, but the little fuzzy feeling, you know, and you, know, you get kind of cold chills and you get the little numbness in the back of your head. That's what I started feeling. And then my phone went off.
4: So that was you, I heard. <clears throat> no, that, oh,
1: okay. it, my phone was on vibrate, but my phone went off and it was a private caller i don't ever get private callers ever and then so i'm ignore it and i try to go back into the you know song and stuff and it was a little bit less you know but i was still kind of there and then my mom calls i'm like oh god what's going on what's happening you know so i leave (laughs) i go completely out of the church and i take my call i call my mom first and and uh you know, everything was fine with her. She was just on her way back from the farm and, and then turn around and I call my voicemail because there was a voicemail and then it was Valley Hope. And, <laughs> you know, and it was just like I didn't need to know that then, but like my anxiety and my my have to know what's going on. And truthfully, I think I'm not going to bring my phone into church. (laughs) I'm not going to have my watch on. I'm not going to have my phone anymore because just because of that, because I was, I was in it, man. Like I was feeling, I was feeling that and I was in the moment and I didn't, like I even had my eyes closed. I'm not a hand raiser or, you know, I don't, I, I've never been that person. I'm the quiet type. I barely even sing whenever I'm in there. Um, You know, I'm kind of singing in my head and, and, you know, it's just kind of me in a God moment, you know, and, um, I don't, I don't feel the outward display need to, yeah, display anything. It's me and God in my head and in my mind because I mean, that's where he dwells in, you know, he dwells within me. And if I'm feeling those things about a certain song, then I need to keep it within me. That's just my idea of it. And, um, but I was feeling that and then it got distracted and I was just like, man, you know, I was kind of aggravated, even though it was all good news, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it was all good, but, uh, you know, I went back in there and I'm just like, I'm trying to get back in it and I'm just like, it just ain't happening. You know, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it'll happen again. You know, it's not a big deal, but.
4: You know, Carl uh, called cautioned me once and I've taken it to heart, don't chase that. I mean, yeah. you, want, you want to be in the presence of God, but don't make that your soul focus and don't chase it because for a long time...
0: Meaning the feeling, not yes, the presence so. of God, that, that the, Thank the you, emotional God. response and the feeling, yeah. Because
4: yeah. I, I had that experience last night in my prayer time, and I was just overwhelmed. And immediately, Carl's words popped into my head going, this is great, but this isn't what what we're supposed to do here and once you experience that it's it's like your favorite ice cream you, you always want to go get it but if you did you'd be bigger than a house
1: well i figure that that it's pretty much i mean what it was it, dopamine or whatever oh in the know, brain produced it, you yes. know your your body's feeling you know i'm not good with my words exhilaration yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I was looking for something different.
4: Apparently I'm not any good either, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, your body produces those things and you know, you're in that moment and you know, that's where you're feeling the presence and you know, I mean, that's where I identify as you uh-huh. know, feeling the spirit feeling the, the, but then, you know, there's other times to where, you know, how many times have me and you Carl had little, little moments of like, just acknowledgement of we're on the right path
0: yeah countless countless. i mean
1: over and over and over again over weeks Mm -hmm. and it's just like little little tidbits just saying this is it yeah it's not a tingling feeling it's not a nothing it's just confirmation
0: yes which is which is important to identify that he talks to you and and Many different ways. And I just want to clarify, not that you were wrong. I just want to clarify for those listening, always chase the presence. You know, I'm not saying don't chase the presence of God. And I'm not saying that 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 he won't give you that feeling and that sensation. What I'm saying is that feeling and that sensation won't be 24 seven. Yeah. So you don't want to get so focused on that feeling that when you're in the valley or when you don't feel that, that you think his presence isn't here. Because that's not necessarily true. Just because you don't feel that sensation doesn't mean that his presence is gone. Yeah. Yes. So you're going to have your mountaintop experiences and you're also going to have your valley experiences and he's with you through both. And you need to, you need to always remember that and don't get so, don't get so obsessed with that mountaintop experience that you lose focus of him in the valley.
4: That's what he said to me. I just didn't get it all out there.
0: I do, you know, and talking about worshiping in spirit and truth, I think there's an element of, of, you know, true worship is seeking to know him as he truly is. Yes. Yeah. and you see that in in the account of Matthew chapter 14 at the end when Jesus walks on water and Peter walks out with him you know most of us know that story Peter walks on water and then his, his eyes turn away from Jesus and he he looks to the, the to the the wind and the waves and the danger and then he starts to sink mm-hmm. and he cries out for help and then Jesus pulls him up and asks him why did you doubt but there's intre- it's interesting after he asks that then it says in verse 32, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. So he had orchestrated all of this. The wind, the waves, everything was his doing to teach a lesson. But then it says in verse 33, and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. This is the first account of corporate worship of Jesus. And I, I think there's I an element of they, they, they got to a place where, yeah, they had heard the teachings. They had seen some miracles but this was over the top. I think this is the point where they really saw, whoa, there's there's something more here. There's something different here. They declared him, this is God's son. There's no doubt whatsoever and worthy of worship, right? They got to a place where they didn't just know him. They truly knew him as he was, right? And I think that's what we need to be chasing in our worship is that relationship, seeking yes. him first, seeking to know him. That's That's part of worship. It's not necessarily an event or a feeling. It's seeking to know him in in an intimate relationship as he is. That's worship. That's a lifestyle of worship, not just an event or a day of the week.
3: And it's vital. It's vital vitally important because, you know, in that passage. I'm going to leave your
0: voice troubles in. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that I you probably would. I'm going to
3: be, in, I'm gonna be in the new Chris where, where he kind of just kind of <laughs> leaves that in there. Um, you know, it says, you know, we, we read that that verse, and, and then it says, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And this is what gets me. This is the importance of it, I believe. It says, For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking, searching for genuineness. He is looking for that genuineness of heart. He's not looking for fake. He's not looking for going through the motions. He's not looking for, we do this experience and we put in our God time for an hour on a Sunday morning, And then we leave and nothing ever happens throughout the week. We open our Bible, you know, maybe once or twice a week. He's looking for what Carl said, that intimacy, that intimate relationship with the Father. The Father is looking. We should be seeking that kind of worship, but the Father is looking. He's seeking the genuine worshipers, those those that will worship him in spirit and in truth.
1: Absolutely right. Question. Seeking out Father or seeking out Jesus?
0: I don't think you can seek one sep- without seeking the other.
1: Okay, well, is it, a, is it a separate relationship? Is it two different entities that we're supposed to be having a relationship with?
3: Great question. The relationship is with the Father. the The Father is the planner, the organizer, the orchestrator, facilitated through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. But all of them are one unit, which is, but they have distinct. Right. I mean, we'll get into some deep, deeper stuff, but it's kind of distinct characteristics. And so the relationship is with the Father. Right. Through the love of the, the Father's love through the Son, this shedding his blood for us on the cross.
0: Every time Jesus, you know, defines the relationship through prayer or worship, it's always, you know, pray to the Father yeah. in the name of the Son. Yes. Right. We, we pray to the father in the name of Jesus. Right. He says that I do nothing that wasn't shown to me by the father first. Yeah. Right? right. So and, and, you know, it's like he says, you if, if you see me, you see the father. And, you know, I, yeah. I believe what he means by that is that everything that he does and everything that he says is like you said, Mike, it's a good way to put it planned by the father everything right. was planned and orchestrated by the father and, and jesus serves to actualize that for us well and i mean so I that's just, why that's why i say i don't think you can see i don't think you can have a relationship with one without the other because they're so intimately connected that, that having a relationship with the father is having the relationship with jesus if you're a believer in him sure. and the sacrifice and the, the, the plan right
1: well some people just i mean i
0: me in the beginning
1: i i didn't know which one to do mm-hmm. you know like i didn't know which one to seek out I didn't know if it was going to be, you know. Do I seek out God? Do I seek out Jesus? Do I? What? Do, how do I do this? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people and they're stuck on that. Like they don't, they don't know the difference.
0: I do think a lot of people cut the Father out. I do yeah. see that a lot. It seems like there's a. a there's lot only
1: of, Jesus or there's only God. You know what I mean? Like there's there's not both of them. Together. God isn't the Father. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I just. I don't know. I thought it was maybe a yeah. good idea to, because, you know, we're on worship and mm-hmm. everything else. Well, and
0: he, Jesus is worthy of worship. Yes. Right? right? Exactly. He is divine. Clearly, the, the disciples and that, that reference that I that I mentioned, they worshiped him. Exactly. Yes. They did worship him, but your focus is the Father. Right. right? The, the, the Father is the, the center of absolutely everything, and I, I do think that I see that error too much where you know we're praying directly to Jesus and you don't mention the father like they've conflated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are one but we conflate to the point where we almost forget about the father entirely and like you said that's getting into some deep theology going back to you know the era mm-hmm. of Martian. You know what I mean where he he sort of treated the father like a like a like like an unwanted evil God that he wanted to cut out. And Jesus was this new God that freed us from the fathers. What Martian believed he was a early, early church heretic. And I think some elements of his heresy have survived in, in modern theology a little bit too much mm-hmm. more than more than the, What make would make me comfortable. Yep. You know what I mean?
3: And when you look at Jesus life and you look at what he's done, you know, throughout the scriptures, he consistently points to the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. You've seen me do these things. You've seen the father do them. Right. You know, I and my father are one, but, but he's, what he's saying is I'm the facilitator. You know, yes, I'm worthy of worship. You look at revelation. He's the only one worthy to open the seals, the seals of judgment. He's the only one worthy of that aspect. And so, and so, yes, he is worthy of worship and we should there's nothing wrong with worshiping him, but, but we do worship the father. I think there's several Illustrations throughout the scripture that indicate that he deals with us as children, right. you know, that he is our father. And there's th- th- those references that indicate, yeah, we, we, we worship the father. Pray to the father in the name of the son, like Carl said. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. There are occasions where it seems like they're kind of indistinguishable. Yes. But yeah. yeah.
3: And that's why we pray in Jesus name, you know, that we end our prayers. It's not just a good way to end our prayers for some of us listening that may not be familiar with church church phrases or church yeah. vernacular. Talk. Vernacular. Yeah, there you go. Vernacular. Wow. That's good. Okay. You yeah, do with your words, Man, man. Ooh. I was pulled that, pull mm. that out of his hat Out of, of my there. hat, yeah. Yeah, pulled that out of his hat there.
0: <laughs> I will say this. The understanding the divine nature is an extremely complex yes. topic that will probably always be over our heads. Yes, realistically, yeah. as finite creatures with very finite brains, we're never going to fully, truly understand and grasp the infinite. Correct. And it, it's good to seek these answers and know who who our focus is and how we should approach the present. However, never do you find in Scripture where it's required to have a perfect understanding of the divine nature to be saved. Yes. And the reason is we can never have a perfect understanding <laughs> no. of that. So you see these these really hateful debates about you know the Trinity doctrine and how do we how do we how do we how do we understand the nature of divinity and scream and heretic at each other, I, I think that's, that's a, I really feel like that's a, a demonic distraction yes. mm-hmm. because we can't, I, you know, we can't fully grasp and understand that. It's, it's something that he tries to explain to us in human terms as best he can, like the father son relationship and things like that, things that we can relate to, right. to try to, to try to understand and grasp the relationship of the divine, but it's still a very limited understanding. And it, for us, I believe it always will be a limited understanding. I think we'll be chasing, you know, greater understanding for eternity and never fully grasp it. Yes. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. That's not required for salvation. What's no. required for your salvation is that you believe, you believe in what he did, you believe in the plan and you love him, yeah. right? You love him, you confess your sin and you genuinely love him and you seek to emulate what he's laid out for us as far as, as far as our behavior, right? Can
4: we talk about types of worship for a moment? Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, no,
0: I I mean, no. All right. Well, veto veto.
4: Okay. I'm out. No, (laughs) no, my question, um, types of worship, you know, there's praise, there's prayer, there's music, um, is serving your fellow man or woman as a servant of God, a form of worship. I came to this, thinking yes because if i'm doing these things in the name of god i'm glorifying him so would that not also be a form of worship absolutely
3: i would agree Mm -hmm.
4: because i think worship is is you can't just put a definition on i I looked up the definition it was like i mean it was one of the most general definitions i've ever seen right okay because we don't really understand everything like carl said you know, in the Old Testament, it was the sacrifices. You know, and uh, all, of, all, of, all of it that was there.
0: And even then, worship was broader than sacrifice. Sacrifice was always yes. pointing to the, the the substitution required. So there's a difference the blood between right. Yeah. There's a difference between overlooking an offense and forgiving the penalty required for the offense. Those are two different things. We'll get into that in another episode that I have planned out, but there is a difference when he forgives something, but then doesn't overlook the penalty required. Those are two different elements. So yeah, he can overlook our sin and forgive us so that we don't have to pay the penalty, but that penalty has to be applied somewhere. He's clear about that in scripture that the penalty, he will not just waive. The penalty has got to be applied somewhere. So even though he forgives us for the sin that requires the penalty be applied, that penalty has to be leveled somewhere. And that's what the sacrifice points to, that he takes the penalty off of us, the ones that commit the sin, and put it on the the, the sacrifices at the time to show that it had to be reapplied somewhere else. But it, uh, an animal sacrifice isn't sufficient. It was just a shadow of what was required, and that's what was leveled on to Jesus himself. Right? So he takes that penalty off of us and lays it onto him, because the penalty— has to be applied to someone, right? And he's the only one as, as the, as the son of God, the only one that can receive that penalty for everyone at the same time for all sin. Right. So that kind of makes sense? Oh yeah. What what I'm saying is there's, even then there was more to worship. That wasn't, that wasn't the all encompassing worship. That was, that was, that was part of the salvation plan being, being revealed to us.
4: I just think it'd be helpful for our listeners who may be, struggling with how to worship if we could outline to the best of our ability what worship looks like
0: well that's just that's just i don't think you can outline it because i think it's about how you approach him and how you seek to know him actually i really do I,
1: i think it's just basically if you ask me and you ask my definition of it it would be following god of what he tells you to do that's an act of worship it doesn't matter whether it's stop looking at your phone so much and picking up your Bible. If you feel led to do that, if you feel convicted of doing that, that's an act of worship towards Him because you're doing what He says.
0: I agree. I agree. I'm going to look at we're, we're we'll actually end with this. I'm going to I'm going to take us through a couple verses and a definition. And Micah will be happy to know I didn't bookmark anything so i'm gonna be doing a lot of flipping i always give him a hard time when he preaches and he doesn't bookmark so he ends up flipping a lot so first verse i'm going to read is genesis chapter 2 verse 15 i'm just going to read these off and then i'm going to explain why i'm reading them when i'm done they're just three verses then the lord god took the man and put him into the garden of eden to cultivate it and keep it so now i'm going to read joshua when i find it
3: you have some tabs just not the right tabs. Not the right tabs. <laughs> I have a lot of
0: tabs, but not not the ones that I need right now. And I don't want to take those tabs out because I'm supposed to take notes on that stuff, and I haven't done it yet because I have.
3: Daryl gave me these fancy that? tabs like that. Uh, it's a highlighter, and it has little tabs in it that you can flip up and uh-huh. stick in the right place. So. Oh, really? Yeah. It's kind of, a, That's nice. kind of a cool little marker. Yeah. It's a highlighter on one end, and then on the other end is you flip it, and it pulls out these little tabs where you can mark your verses that you want to go to next well that's kind of cool yeah
0: i like that yeah so joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the lord choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served which were beyond the river or the gods of the amorites in whose land you are living but as for me and my house we will serve the lord and then i'm going to read exodus chapter 3 verse 12 I flipped almost right to that. That was good. Did you see that? I did. That was, that was awesome. That was
3: good. That was a God thing.
0: <laughs> and he said, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of, out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Okay. Those three verses have one Hebrew word in common, and that is abad. Abad. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, that word is Cultivate. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, that word is serve. Any guess as to what word it is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12? Worship. Same word. Same word encompasses all of those elements cultivate, as in plowing a field, serving, as in obeying, and worshiping. That word means all of those things all wrapped up into one. I'm going to show something in the Greek also to show that this is evident in the Greek. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which you referenced, Mike.
4: Even a blind squirrel finds a nut, Carl.
0: (laughs) When you got the Spirit's help, you don't need eyes. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The King James version ref- the King James version I'm sorry translates service of worship as reasonable service. The CSB translated it as true worship. The reason you see that differentiation is because that's latreia in Greek and it literally means both. It means worship but in the primary sense of to serve or to obey. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1 even uses that word to reference obeying the law of God.
4: I had that one down too.
0: Intimately linked we have an intimate link between worship and serving God. The service of God. Live, I, I love that that Paul links this with that living sacrifice yeah. too. Me too. Presenting your body as a holy living sacrifice. That means that means purposing in your heart daily to do the service of God. Whatever that means for you. Whether that's obeying the written word, which we all should do, that's that's the universal will of God, or the individual will of God for you, following his lead in your individual life on how to share the gospel, how to shine his light, and how to how to live that living sacrifice, mm. right? Purposing in your heart daily to walk as he leads you to walk. Mm. That is worship. Yes. Mm. That is your daily worship. It is not just an event on Sunday. Yes. It's so much bigger than that. It's a daily walk with him. He views that as worship, I believe, and I believe we see that in the languages. And I think we can connect that to what we talked about last week. You weren't here for that, Micah, but we talked about Matthew chapter 7, where he warns about the false prophets and those who work mm. lawlessness. And we dug into the, to the Greek on that, that it's literally those who, who labor at disobeying him. So those who were outside of the will of the, the father were told labored at disobeying him, mm. which creates an antithesis. Those who are within the will of the father labor at obeying him. They're a living sacrifice. And I think that presents us with three options as a believer, right? We can either work at obeying the father. We can work at disobeying the father, or we can just smile and do very little of anything. Those are really our three options. And there are consequences for the choice that you make, right? That's not how you earn your salvation. You don't earn your salvation that salvation is paid and you believe but there is a follow through Mm -hmm. and there are consequences in how we choose to follow through for sure and with that I think we're going to take our break we'll continue that discussion on the other side this week while we do take our break I'm going to play a song by a friend of mine actually named Jordan Thomas called Back to the Root stick around and we'll talk at you in a few
5: Israel Aronai Eloheinu Aronai In him my hope is found Choose him today before the drum
0: Again, that was Back to the Root by Jordan Thomas. And for those of you listening, if you're on Spotify, we actually have a playlist on there called Broken Record Radio, where you can have access to all the music that we have featured and will feature in the future. And it's a good place to go to, to listen to it more, to, to, to find more that these artists have, have made it to ministry, what they do. And it's important to support that ministry, I believe. So be sure and check that out. So this week, we're going to continue in a study that we're calling Foundations, Part 2 in our Foundation Study. You weren't here with us last week, Micah. So we'll briefly summarize kind of what we talked about. I'd planned on doing that anyway. Before we do that, I want to read a reference from First Corinthians, chapter three, starting at verse ten, and it says, "According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid." which is Jesus Christ. You guys remember last week by you guys, I mean, everybody, but Micah, we (laughs) talked about the three elements of a foundation. Yep. Mm -hmm. So do you guys remember where we landed at? What those were? Quiz time. Quiz time.
4: I don't do well on quizzes. Um,
0: I usually ask these questions when I blank out a little bit and I can't remember.
4: (laughs) I I, I think we we talked about, we talked about alignment with a cornerstone.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. Being square, um, being, being square, square. It's an important word, very important word being squared.
4: That's pretty much all I got, Carl.
0: Okay. Location. Okay. Where you build, where you build important, right? Being aligned with the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, right? Being, being in alignment with him and squared to him, not off center, your design, how you're building. So we landed on that being the teachings of Jesus, right? So what he teaches us. So we're being aligned with him and we're listening to what he teaches and your material, what you build with applying the teachings
4: yeah i remember it now
0: and that's really what Paul's talking about here in first corinthians right understanding that jesus christ is our foundation but we need to build in a proper way and i'm going to continue reading what he says because there are consequences you know this is this is talking about that follow-through we talked about at the end of the first half and the consequences when we refuse to uh, engage in that follow-through in the way that we're told to right this isn't about salvation This is about how you, what you do with your salvation, right? And he continues in verse 12. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, meaning the day of judgment will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So we're, he's, he's talking about believers. He's talking about believers who are building on the foundation, attempting to square themselves to the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Right? He's not talking about non-believers here. Okay. If any man's work, sorry, verse, four, four, uh, verse 14, if any man's work which he has built, on it remains, he will receive a reward, will. But if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. I do like that he makes sure that he doesn't snatch your hope away here right he's not saying you're gonna you're you're gonna lose your salvation you're gonna get thrown into hell it's not what he's saying here but he is saying there are consequences there are consequences for the follow-through and this also destroys the idea that there you know everybody's on an equal playing field when they get to the judgment seat and there's no such thing as reward or consequence that's not true biblically that's just not true there are there, there are differing rewards and consequences when you get to the judgment. seat for believers, for ones who are saved, you're saved. But if you refuse to build, meaning you refuse to apply the teachings of Jesus Christ the way he lays it out, you, you refuse to apply the words of the Father the way he lays it out from Genesis to Revelation, there are consequences. That's what he references here is building with hay and straw, right? Building with things that he told you not to build with or building in a diluted way. I would think, I, I think of like a diluted gospel, Right, when you try to dilute the gospel to make it popular mm-hmm. you're building with hay and straw when you're preaching the whole truth and love compassionately and lovingly preaching the whole truth even when it's uncomfortable for the ones hearing it you're building with precious stones yeah. with silver and gold and he references silver and gold because fire doesn't destroy silver and gold it purifies it fire destroys hay and straw mm-hmm. so if the judgment's likened to a fire he wants you to build with things that can't be destroyed by fire which is the word of god the teachings of Jesus that are laid out for us.
4: That's powerful.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I, I didn't write it.
4: <laughs> well, I know, but I still enjoyed it.
0: Paul, if you're listening, this was really good. <laughs> Your letter to the Corinthians was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You guys got any thoughts? No, I mean you pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think yeah, that sums it up pretty. I just wanted to, everybody listening, I got silence and head nods, head (laughs) shakes. Yeah, yeah. so none of that was audio. Thank you, Sonny, for remembering this was an audio podcast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I forget myself. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys Mm -hmm. so much. You guys remember a uh, a few weeks ago I shared say that. I mean it. I mean every word (laughs) of it. I might get up and give you. If this was video, I'd give you a hug right now, make you very uncomfortable. I mean, it, you know, I can, I can push record real quick. <laughs> you know. We'll do it after. Yeah. <laughs> Just take one picture. We'll take a
3: snuggle selfie. Uh-huh. A snuggle selfie. There you go. There you oh, go. Maybe not that far. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. If I, I don't know where this is going here. Yeah, we'll be standing. <laughs> well, that's a plus. So I'll say that. Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I apologize.
0: You guys remember a few weeks ago, I shared the story of the, of unhitching the horse. Let me just kind of, I'll, 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 briefly state it again. It was an analogy. So you have the horse that's tied to the hitching post and the oh, devil yeah. comes and unties the horse. Oh, yep. And yep. then the horse, you know, destroys the, the, the neighbor's crops and he yep. shoots the horse and it creates this family feud. Yep. Right. And yep. I'm familiar with family feuds. I'm actually a Hatfield. Um, I'm not so proud to admit. History buff over there. You know what that, that's yes, referencing. and it
4: was all over a wedding and a pig, if I remember you know, correctly.
0: the Hatfields and McCoys. It was almost nothing that started that feud. That's why well, I kind of men- mentioned that. It was, it was next to nothing, and it started a generational feud between yeah, those two families. They're actually still going and, on today. Yeah, not with me. We changed our name. Not really.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. You changed your name. I don't think that... Denies the bloodline, brother. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, probably not.
4: Okay. Just as long as we understand that.
0: That joke fell flat. It's okay. <laughs> <The> point, is, <laughs> point is, it doesn't take a whole lot to start a lot of bad stuff, right? And, and that's what the lesson behind that analogy was, was somebody finally stands up and says, why are we doing this? There's so much evil. You know, God, why did you let the devil do this to us? And the devil steps forward and says, I didn't do anything but untie the horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Very often what the devil does or what, what the, the the enemies of darkness do to us is very little. It takes a, a, a very small push to get us to spiral into things that we shouldn't be spiraling into. But ultimately, we're our own worst enemy. Our yes. worst enemy is not the devil. Our worst enemy is our own flesh. Yes. Yes. He just tweaks it every once in a while. Yep. Yep. Right. The reason I mentioned that is there's this book that I have. I'm not going to harp on this too much. Uh, we might actually do a... a We'll probably dig into this a little bit more because I think it's important. It's a book by Andy Stanley, and I don't recommend it. The best way to read this book is to throw it in the trash. You won't hear me say something that strong very often, but in this case, I absolutely will because the things he teaches are terrible. It's called irresistible. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I think he accidentally does a good job of unmasking something that I think is lurking within mainstream theology and shouldn't be. And it's a very negative attitude about the things that come to the left of Matthew. Mm. There's a prevailing negativity that I see growing within especially large-scale churches that are trying to draw in the culture more than they're trying to influence the culture that views the words of the Father with a little bit of negativity. And I think he, 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 he unmasks this a little bit. And I'm going to read an excerpt from this. That's why I mentioned that unhitched story.
4: Did he bookmark it over there, Micah? Can you see? I can't.
0: I, I, did. The I, I folded the You folded it. Okay. And highlighted. I did. Hey. So again, this is from Irresistible by Andy Stanley, and it says this, page 157. Our refusal to fully embrace the fulfillment of the Mosaic Covenant has left us with challenges. Now, I want you to remember that part, because what he's referencing here is the passage we're going to be talking about in Matthew 5, the idea that, Fulfillment means to cancel out. When it comes to what's in the Bible, the Old Testament is one of the primary stumbling blocks for non- and post-Christians. You may not have noticed, but skeptics and opponents of our faith never say the Old Testament teaches. I wish they would. Instead, they cite the Bible. You see how he's disconnecting the Old Testament from the Bible itself? Mm. This is why I've mentioned before that one of my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves is that blank page we we insert between Malachi and Matthew because it creates this attitude that what comes to the left of that blank page is less relevant to us. Early believers viewed scripture as just scripture. Yes. You know, everything they had was just scripture. It was it was it was later that this attitude developed where we we created this disconnect between what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament and that's become more prevalent in modern times especially with, you know, the way we print our bibles today. Mm-hmm. And continue reading. Why? Because the church has communicated for centuries that our faith rises and falls on the defensibility of a collection of documents that include the Hebrew scriptures. For the record, it doesn't. He doesn't believe that our faith is dependent upon the reliability of what he dismissively refers to as some Hebrew scriptures. You see what he's doing here? Well, he's what he's not, very subtly doing? Yeah, he,
4: he's denying what Jesus said in in Matthew.
0: He's yeah, he is. He absolutely is, and he's he's just arbitrarily denying denying everything the Father says to the left of that. It's very subtle and very dangerous what he's doing here. He's trying to get you to view a massive section of your of your Bible with skepticism, and this is a Christian leader, a very popular one. Jesus treated the Hebrew scriptures as authoritative. Sorry, this is me reading from him again. Jesus treated the Hebrew scriptures as authoritative. Paul insisted they were God breathed. Peter believed Jewish writers were carried along by the Holy Spirit, but they never claimed their faith was based on the integrity of the documents themselves. Do you know why they never claimed that? Because it was a given. That's me talking, not Andy Stanley. It was a given. Yeah. They didn't claim that because it was obvious. Yes. Of course it depends upon that. You can't say the scripture is God, and their scripture was what he calls the Old Testament here. You can't say the scripture is God breathed and then believe that your faith doesn't depend upon the reliability of it. Right. Hmm. Continuing, Christianity has a compelling a compelling story to tell. But the moment we anchor, important word, anchor our story to an old covenant narrative and worldview, we lose our case in the marketplace.
4: Marketplace. That's 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 a powerful statement right there. It shows you kind of where his heart is.
0: That's a that's actually a popular way that that it sharing the gospel to non believers is referenced. I it I, that's another I don't like ref, referring to it as a marketplace. Yes. it, it, it implies that the people you're attempting to reach are commodities to be traded and sold. I don't like that. I don't either. But that's not just Andy Stanley. That's that a very reminds, common way to, to refer to
1: it That reminds me now. of Jesus turning the tables over.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: So essentially what he's saying, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish his thought here in a second. He's implying that we should not be anchoring our faith to what he calls the old covenant narrative and worldview. He's saying that we should be We should remove our anchor from what he calls this old covenant word. And when he says old covenant, he means the, the, the scripture here. He means what we call the old Testament without that worldview. Our faith is meaningless. Jesus had that worldview. Every disciple had that worldview as much as he would like to use this whole book to convince you. Otherwise Paul had that worldview. Their worldview was based upon what the father had revealed in what they had to scripture at the time. And he's telling you to just remove that anchor. Because his reason, it, his reason here, he's not citing scripture. He's not saying that he has a scriptural reason for this. He's saying that it's not popular. Nope. When you go out to the marketplace, non-believers don't like to hear it. Let's just pretend like it doesn't exist. And this is, although he says this in a very non-diplomatic way, this is far too popular in mainstream theology. That's why I'm referencing this. He's not good at hiding it like a lot of theologians are. But this is more popular than you would like to than you would like to probably realize. It's far too popular. Continuing. Besides, Jesus has given us permission to unhitch our faith from God's covenant with Israel. Mix and match, and you don't get the best of either. You get the worst of both. That's all I have to read from that. Wait a That's word? such a negative view of the of the of the Father's Word. The worst wow. of both.
4: I don't. Those two words don't even go together.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's chilling to me how it. It's chilling to me that he would say that, but more so chilling to me how popular it is. It's
1: got a four point eight. I mean, out of five on Audible. Yeah. It's Isn't that scary? What?
0: That's why I'm referencing this because it's not just that one mega pastor wrote it, it's that it's influencing thousands, if not millions, of believers that read this and like it. Well, because they- it speaks it speaks to their flesh. Wow.
4: Well, all they've got to do is open the Bible to Matthew five, seventeen. Where- We're
0: gonna get there. Okay, we'll go through Matthew five. I'll be quiet again. I don't want to jump ahead because <laughs> that's that's part that's what we riled up over here. Carl. No, no, no. I know <clears throat> that's what our response to this is going to be. So he implies that Jesus. What well, doesn't imply? He states it. Jesus gives us permission to unhitch from what the Father says.
3: No, based said. upon
0: his based upon his idea of what it means to fulfill the law or the Mosaic covenant. But what does Jesus say? That's what we're going to get into. Does Jesus even remotely agree with him? Because we have to follow what Jesus says. I think yes. you know honestly our our discussion last week makes it pretty clear that Jesus strongly disagrees with what yes. Mr. Stanley here is implying, and we're going to get more into some other things because I want to do I want to do a little bit more of a deep dive on some things that he says elsewhere in this book and compare it with Scripture because I do think it's important based upon what you cited something the popularity of it. yeah, and it's not just to pick on Andy Stanley. it's not about that. I'm not finger pointing, but no, this is just if this is it's this is out there, and it's out this there. is popular
1: and mm-hmm. if they're i mean they're teaching the wrong way they're teaching the wrong way they need to be told
0: it needs to be refuted it, yeah i know that makes people uncomfortable when when you refute bad theology or bad doctrine with specificity but let's be real a massive section of the letters in your new in your new testament wouldn't exist if it wasn't for them refuting exactly. bad doctrine. A lot of what Paul and James and Jude and Peter were doing was refuting bad doctrine. There is yes. a place for that. We shouldn't spend all of our time critiquing and refuting, but when it comes to something that's this heretical, let's just be real, that's that's heresy. Yeah. Telling people to ignore what the Father says because it's not popular is heresy. I don't care how you split it. And when yeah. it's that popular, it does need to be refuted with with scripture. And and it's with specificity.
1: Kind of, I mean, it's kind of been what we've been on here lately anyways, you know, talking about, you know, Churches and pastors and everything else just being, you know, doing what's popular, getting numbers in, getting, you know, I mean, even you know what we looked or what we heard on Sunday at church, you know, uh, you know the the reasons why you do things, you know, being mm-hmm. able to to either get numbers or have popularity within people or doing stuff to be acknowledging yourself. Instead of acknowledging God, yeah, you know, and I mean, it, it, it ties all in together. Like, one yeah.
0: well, of the two main reasons that he cites there in that passage that I read was that, that non-believers don't like what they read in the Old Testament. So let's get rid of it. And it's not popular in the marketplace. So those were the two main issues that he cited was, you know, when we go to the marketplace and it's not popular is basically what he's saying. And it's not it shouldn't be those numbers and that popularity we're chasing, right? It should be truth, just like truth. that, that uh, statistic we referenced last week, that when even when you look at um, pastors that have a biblical worldview, that, that don't believe what Andy Stanley's saying here, that do have a more biblical worldview, even among those pastors, when they ask them what, are, you know, what do you look for as a metric for determining the success in your churches, number one answer was attendance. Number two answer mm-hmm. was tithe revenue. Disciples, discipleship wasn't even top five. Yeah. You know, and, and a, a full, undiluted gospel that changes lives, that's the metric of success. If you've right. changed, if you've brought the gospel to one person and, and watched their life transform, that's success. Right. That's biblical success. Even if you watch a 99 people walk away from it, you know, you can't control what they're doing. But, but bringing a thousand people in to hear a diluted gospel is not successful from a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's false hope. For sure. So let's dig into Matthew chapter five to see what how Jesus would respond to this, because well, it's not pretty. Go ahead. No, Mike, no
3: foundation talking. is no foundation is stable unless it's secured. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what he's done is pretty much abolish the foundation altogether.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's when so done. you have
3: nothing to really lay anything on. Yeah, absolutely that, right. That's
0: scary. That's it is. I'm. I fear for him and I fear for the ones that are influenced by it. I really do for sure. And that's why this is important that we really evaluate. How does Jesus define our foundation? And if we're off center, if we're off square, if our foundation's cracked, we need to fix it. We need to realign to him and we need to do it right now.
1: No excuses. And that's the thing. Even that can be realigned.
0: Yes, absolutely. Right.
1: Even this, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, That's what we're out to do. That's what we're out to try to help. If people believe a certain way, if they believe that, you know, if they're believing wrong and not saying that we're completely right, but every time we go back to the Bible and we check it with the Bible, we go and reference to what God says, what Jesus said, what the Bible says. You know, is it biblical? Does it does it add up? Yeah. And that's that can be
0: safe too. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, to, to go back to the analogy that Paul gives us if you're building with hay, like like this I would call building with hay, if not mm-hmm. if not even just displacing the foundation altogether, you can you can you can return to the cornerstone, you can build on that and you can start building with silver and gold. And that could be if you're one if heck you woke up story. this morning, oh yeah. Absolutely could be.
1: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Turn turn that around and being like, hey, man, I was wrong all these years. Yeah. And psh, here we go. Imagine the following then. Yeah. That would be awesome. It would be.
3: <laughs> Sorry. It would be pretty cool if an author wrote a rebuttal of their own book. It would be. You know what I mean?
4: But yeah. I think that would take him <clears throat> coming to grips with his own flesh, yep. his own pride.
0: Which is true of all of us.
4: Yes, yes, it is, but i I'm not gonna say God can't do it, but maybe he uses people like that for a reason that I don't know and probably never will. It could be a, it could be a test that you know showing you that going biblical is the only way to go mm-hmm. I don't I don't know.
0: God used Balaam for his plan. Balaam didn't want to be used for his plan, right. but God didn't give him a whole lot of choice. So God, God can God can work anything toward good in the end. Yep. But uh, So we're going to be in Matthew chapter five. We're going to start in verse 13, actually. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I was there anybody have any thoughts on what that means
4: yeah I do well you know give a little context in this time salt was used for many different things it was used for you know preserving of food which was extremely important in life but I think what what he means here is we are to be the salt to cause people to have a thirst to strive after. So if we're not if we're not out there living the Christian life, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, we're not salty. Sometimes salty takes on a bad connotation in our current society. Yeah. But this salt is the good salt. We want to be the hands and feet. And I think that's what he's referring to here.
3: I think it's important to understand who he's talking to. He's
4: exactly. talking to Pharisees mm-hmm. who were
3: all about, look at me, look at me. I'm all, look what I'm doing. They were all about the show and looking at them. And so what he's saying is you've, you become worthless and in, in your actions, if you're, if it's all about you and you're doing it all in your flesh, then it's, it's pointless. It's worthless.
0: Yeah. It's important to remember that he's talking to the sort of individuals that when he healed somebody with a, was, was it a deformed hand on the Sabbath they were so angry <laughs> they were so angry at him for healing somebody in need on the Sabbath day that they immediately responded by plotting to murder him yep right, how despicable do you have to be to be angry mm. that he healed someone in need that's when he gives that 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 famous analogy that you know if you if your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath would you not pull him out right and he looks around and they say nothing because yep. mm-hmm. they knew he was right mm-hmm. I forget where that's at I just read it yesterday. It's in all the. I think it's in three it's of the gospels. the gospels. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't remember what chapter right. of, but anyway. Okay, yeah. You know, these are the sort of people yes. he's talking to. Is why yes. I referenced that. You know, was, these these individuals were. They may have been. They may have been putting out a a form of a show. Their heart was ugly, mm-hmm. right? They weren't. They weren't truly lawful.
3: They would. They would be considered nowadays as some of the mainstreamers, popular people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because everybody was looking to them to be the leaders and they were leading people astray.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely right. And I kind of think,
3: you know,
1: salt in the right amount, it's good. Yeah. And the wrong amount, it's bitter. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, if you don't do enough of it, then you can't taste it at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it takes that fine, narrow path of, just the right amount to be able
3: to be good. Yep. So, yeah, the joke we did as teenagers unscrew the salt shaker bottle, so people when they oh, when yeah. they when they mm-hmm. salt their food, they get the whole, yeah, the whole yep. container, and yeah, yep. it's worthless. You've yep. Too much is, yep, bad,
1: bitter, and mm-hmm. you know leaves bad taste in your mouth.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> and speaking, from- but I think it's important to know that he says trampled under people's feet. Right. I mean, that's a that's also a big deal. I mean, it's. Right. You know, it's not only that it's, we're not effective or we're not, be, we're not effective for what God wants us to do, but it's just trampled to nothing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, if you trample a grain of salt, you can trample that grain of salt to nothing. I mean. Yeah. You can trample a pound and, of it. And so, yeah. So it's really worth nothing. Days. I mean, right. and I think that's, you know, that's the importance of what he's stating here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to think of it, you know, as a preservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? right? You would use it to preserve meat, to keep it useful, to keep it pure, yes. you know what I mean? And it, yeah. if you're doing your job and you're applying his teachings and you're building on the foundation, then you're 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 you're, you're purifying, you're 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 preserving yes. right. what's what's good and what's pure. But when you don't do your job as salt, it just brings rotten decay. Yep. Yep. And I think that's what he's accusing the Pharisees of here. He's like you have a you have you look like salt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Underneath the pile, it's just rotten meat. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just decay and rottenness and ugliness because you're not doing your job as salt. Mm. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven stop there i love that analogy yes i love that it's one of my favorite verses in all of scripture honestly is the analogy of light it's so powerful because we are in a world of darkness yes Mm -hmm. we really are we're in a world we're in a world that is just ruled by the power of darkness and you know to think of ourselves as the light that penetrates that Mm -hmm. right because when you have light in the room darkness flees Yep. darkness cannot overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. So if you're shining his light as a lighthouse, a lighthouse is just the the vessel that carries the light. That's what we are. We're the lighthouse that and, just carries the light and shines and shows those who are wandering in darkness and in the storm the way to shore. Okay. That's our role. That's what we should be doing and that's what he's saying here. And remembering that in those dark times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, being able to stand on that foundation to be able to stand in that Darkness, and be able to let his light shine instead of trying to let our own light. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. That and these verses here have came true for me here lately, like in the last, I would say, two months, <laughs> and I've had quite a few people, um, kind of just affirm that, dude, you have changed you were different like i've i've talked to a couple of old 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 friends i haven't seen in i would say probably upwards of 15 years they were like who are you you know what i mean they're like you talk different you you don't you're you're not the same as i remember i'm like well that's good i'm i shouldn't be that person anymore no you know it was 15 years ago i was a heathen and, you know, and like, I was talking to my mom yesterday and she was just like, you know, the person, the person, the son that I knew six months ago is completely different than the son mm-hmm. that I know today. And she goes, I am you know, so proud of you and everything. And, you know, and I don't, I don't see it. You know, I live with it every single day. And, you know, I live with what's in my head and that's crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the biggest thing is, is I don't see my own light. I don't see the light that God gives me, but whenever other people tell me, and then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I am doing good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, and that's the thing is it's for other people. It's not for yourself, you know, and that light shines, but you don't get to see it. You know, it's not for your viewing because you can see it in other people. You can see their light, but you can't see your own. Yeah. I don't know. I just that that's what. Whenever I read this uh, last night, I was just like, "Man, that that's really came true for me here lately." Because a lot of people have just been like, "Dude, you're you're doing so awesome," and like you know, telling me how good and everything, and I'm just like, I don't see it that way, <laughs> you know, but other people do. And that's the point, you know, you're letting your light shine for God, not for yourself or, you know, your own
0: viewing. So. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. You know, first John tells us that we are to shine as lights in a crooked and perverse nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That pretty much describes where we are. Oh man. Yeah, sure. And then it says, you know, in verse. in I think it's verse 15, I think verse 16 says holding forth the word of truth. Mm-hmm. How do we shine our light in a crooked and perverse world? How do we be the light that he's telling us to be is by holding forth the truth, the whole truth and living Just it. part of it. Yeah. Not just part of the truth, but the whole truth.
0: Absolutely. It's interesting to me because when you look at these verses, it's, you know, verse I read verses 14 through 16. It's all one cohesive context. It's one thought. And he links you are the light and shining the light with good works. Yeah. Did you notice that? properly shining the the light of the father the, uh, the light that glorifies the father leads to good works which destroys the idea that good works don't have a place in our christian faith yeah it absolutely does as you know it, it doesn't earn our salvation but it, mm-hmm. they're they're part of our follow through yeah they're absolutely part of our follow through and he directly links the idea of shining his light in darkness with doing the will of the father like we talked about last week in Matthew chapter 7 doing good it, works is he why he them.
3: saved us i mean it's why he redeems us or saves us however you want to word, you know, phrase that that's why you mm-hmm. know, Ephesians 2.10 tells us we're created for good works yep. that's our purpose we're his workmanship we're his masterpiece created to good works he's just said we're saved by grace through faith it's not of ourselves it's a gift of God and so He just told us the, the purpose yeah we don't have to work for it but once we have a inter-entry relationship with Christ man that should infuse us and in, ignite us to go out and do do stuff for him. Oh, 100%. And that's and that's the purpose, what he says there, that they may see your good works. Why? To glorify your father. Yep. Not to puff ourselves up and say, hey, look at me, look what I've done. Right. No, it's to glorify the father. Yep. And
0: that goes back to what we referenced in Corinthians. There yeah, are yeah. there are consequences and rewarding and consequence based upon how willing you were to walk out that those good works, yep. to shine that light. Yeah. Were you dimming the light? You may be saved, mm-hmm. you are saved, but if you were dimming the light, there's less reward for that. And I think part of that too, part of the good works is your motivation. Like you're referencing, Mike, it's not just about what you do. Pharisees did some outward stuff, yep. but their motivation was hideous. Mm-hmm. The inward motives were bad. You know, that needs to be transformed first. Your motive for doing good, your, your motive for obeying the Father, your motive for shining the light has got to be to glorify the Father and not you. It's all about glorifying the father and doing the father's will, even at your own expense. That has to be your motivation.
3: I was talking to a friend the other day and we got talking about this particular passage. And so it's kind of a God thing, how it came up in our podcast, but we were talking about the different types of light. There's lots of different types of lights. Oh yeah. You have little night lights, you know, that are four watt bulbs. You have big, (coughs) powerful lights, that light parking lots, you know, that are strong lights and so the challenge for us is what kind of light are we? Mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. just said, you know, are we yeah. dimming our light? Are we hiding it under a bushel? Are we ashamed of what God has provided for us and everything that God has done for us? Right. Or are we willing to let that let that shine and spread and say, look, this is what God's done for me. This is how he's moving in my life. This is how, you know, he can he can work in your life. Yeah. You know, and, and, and use it as a as a springboard to to really bring the light to people that that need it
1: it was kind of like, you know, my battle here lately, you know, it wasn't until I actually talked about it in our group chat that I, I felt better. Like I came out with it and was just like, you know, I struggle with lust and, you know, and the biggest thing is, is that I've struggled with it for years and years and years. And then that's whenever I felt like I was released from, part of my hindrance from god from i how do i how do i put this into words (laughs) it was keeping me away it was keeping me from seeing or from being who god wanted me to be and it kept me in a position to where i was ashamed i was guilt I was just riddled with emotions and secluded myself. And, you know, and these are, these are things that I'm, I'm, I'm having to battle no matter what, because God's working on me and he's working on me hard. And that hindered my life.
0: Yeah.
1: Hugely. I mean, to the point to where I quit doing my everything, you know, I quit doing my post. I quit doing all my stuff everything else like it hindered me that much because it bothered me because i knew he convicted me of it and i didn't work on it right you know what i mean and all these things and it was just like that light i seen it for a minute i i was there in it and then there was something that he told me to do told me to quit doing told me to work on and then i didn't i kept work i kept doing those things and kept searching those ways of the world and everything else. And then now, you know, I'm, I'm to the point where it's just like, God, this, this is yours. Yep. I, I don't want it no more. I don't need it no more. I, if it's keeping me away from you, then I, I don't, I don't want it in my life. And, you know, that now I felt that release. I felt that,
0: like you finally let it go yeah something you're gripping onto yeah like and and it and it's
1: dumb i mean it something that i i don't i didn't even want anymore like i hated it but i kept doing it you know and it kept me away from from that light of god yeah and it was just more or less of like man why why can't i stop why can't i why can't i get away from this and I didn't understand it until just the other day. I mean, it was just like, because, you know, it was me. It was me that was standing in the way. It was me that sat there and was just like, well, I'm not going to give this up. I'm not going to give that up. Because I've been doing that for X amount of years or whatever. And, you know. I,
0: you catch that, yourself that justifying a, it. That ain't a problem.
1: You know, it's this that or the other and no hold on he told me he said hey that's the issue i've heard it i don't know how many times i've heard it from other people you know those little feelings of saying well that was god that you know that 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 was god and that light kept shining kept saying hey i'm over here Mm -hmm. you're not doing this i tell you to do something do it don't just sit there and Oh well, I'm gonna stand in this and keep doing this and doing this and but yeah. I, and it hindered me from being that light. And finally now I don't know how many days or a week or whatever it's been, it's been just a short amount of time. It's just like, here you go. George, I'm done. Yeah. I can I can't keep holding on to it because it's keeping me away from you and it's me that's keeping me away from you. It's my own doing. Why am I standing in the way of something that I want? <laughs> yeah, You know, and I didn't understand that. And then that's whenever I had that, you know, that moment where I was just like, I am standing in the way of you and that's, that's dumb.
0: No, oh, keep going. aye aye sir (laughs) so verse 17 and before i read this i want i want you to be reminded this is in the same context this is one flowing thought that jesus has here so after he talks about being the salt of the world after he talks about being the light of the world links that to the to the good works that glorify the father then he says this and i think this is really important i know this is really important do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. We're going to come back to that word fulfill because that's the word that, that Andy Stanley in this reference. And it's not just him. That, that's the word that's very frequently misused here and abused in this text. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. It's an important word, too. So we're going to stop there. First off, the word abolished. It's kataluo in Greek. He uses it twice in verse 17. And it means to unyoke, to loosen, or to unhitch, as in a horse. Find that interesting? Yeah. So if you have a horse or an ox that's hitched to a post, it means to tie it, to untie it, and to let it loose. So he's saying that the the I didn't come to uh, to even loosen the law. Like, that's really the in, the the intended definition of what he's saying there. I didn't come to even loosen the law.
1: And right. I don't, I don't like my version of it because it says destroy.
0: Oh uh, uh, yeah, I like yours better. In place of abolish? Yeah. Yeah, abolish is probably a better rendering of that than destroy, but it's it's it, it carries the same basic connotation, but it's. It's a little more subtle than destroy, because yeah. destroy Im- Im- implies get rid of the whole thing. Right. And he says, "I didn't even come to loosen it." That's that's yeah. essentially what the word means: is I didn't even come to loosen this. Yeah. And and law there is nomos, so it's a reference to the Torah, which would mean you know the biblical law. He's talking mm-hmm. to Jews. He's he's talking in the presence of Pharisees. He's talking from a biblical mindset. When he says the law, when he says nomos in the Greek, he's talking about the the commandments of the Father, right? The the commandments given at Sinai. That's what he's talking about here. And then he says, "accomplished." I'm sorry, fulfill. Let's 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 look at fulfill first. Fulfill is plerau in Greek. It's an interesting word. Okay, what it actually means is to 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 bring to fullness or to bring to a full measure. The problem with how we handle that is because fulfill in English can mean to end, to put a stop to, right? And that's that's often how that word is handled there. So we sort of we sort of take a sentence and and we almost. We almost make him hypocritical in the sentence because we almost we almost translate this as or or too often it's taught as if he's saying I didn't come to loosen the law I came to undo it I didn't come to abolish the law I came to I came to 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 annul it I was saying yeah. the same thing right but that's not really what that word fulfill means it means to bring to a full measure so the context of U would be like like you're you're writing a, a, a trilogy of novels. Pretend, Mike. I'm looking at Mike. I don't know. I could have looked at you guys and it wouldn't have mattered. You're writing a trilogy of no- novels, are you? You're, no, you're not? not. Okay, yeah. You emphatically shook your head no to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <so. laughs> I apologize. I would, so, I would hand
3: that over to my wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's pretend you're writing a trilogy of novels. And you write the first two in the trilogy, and then you stop and you take a break. You, you go on a hiatus, right? Then you write the third and final novel in that trilogy. You've it. You've brought it to the full measure. Right. So you've completed your trilogy. That doesn't mean you canceled out the two novels that came before and treat them like they're no longer relevant. It's one complete narrative. Right. Your trilogy is complete now. It's fulfilled. It's brought to its full measure. That doesn't mean you never read the first two again. If you go back and revisit the trilogy, you don't start at book three. You start at book one. So essentially, what he's saying is, he's, he's, I'm coming to bring reality everything that was just a shadow up until now. Sort of like we had talked about earlier about the, the the sacrifices and stuff. It's a shadow of what the fullness would be. He's saying, I bring this to full measure. Yep. You know, what you've done in type and shadow up to this point, I'm going to show you what it means now. That's what he's saying. He's not saying I'm giving you an excuse to unhitch from this, to loosen this and to get rid of it and treat it like it's no longer relevant. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is I'm bringing this to a full measure. It's like you were looking through a filthy mirror and I'm cleaning the mirror up a little bit. So that you can see more clearly what's on the other side of it now that's what i'm doing here so that's that's how we we tend to and how i believe in that reference i read from this book mishandles that word fulfill a little bit and applies a definition that isn't really intended in the greek does that kind of make sense what i'm saying we can't turn him into into a hypocrite here every time jesus talks about the law it's never in a negative context and it's never in the sense that he came so that we could feel good about disobeying the commandments of the father. He never says that never does he even imply that he came to make us feel good about sinning because let's be real. The law defines sin. Yes, right. You know, when it comes to the commandments of the father, what the Father's saying when he gives commandments is this is what pleases me. This is what displeases me. And anything that's, that goes against those two things, that's sin. The father defines that as sin. And Jesus didn't come to sanitize sin. He came, to, he came to redeem us from sin. There's a big difference. Yes,
1: And well, I mean, it. The, the next passage says it all. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, before you go there, Sonny, I'd like to go back. 18, he, he says, for truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot. For the longest time, I didn't know what that dot meant. But what, what he's referring to here is the writings. Uh, a single dot in a language changes the whole context or action of a word. He's saying not a single dot will be, you know, will pass from the law. He's not saying to me, it's shoring up saying the law hasn't changed folks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think we read 18 yet. We was did. It? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's what I said. The next one. Oh, is that the next one. <laughs> yeah.
4: I just think that smallest word dot is really important because that dot can change the meaning. And I think, that may be where the author you were talking about
1: dot or I got jot.
4: There's different J- ways to translate. It. They, they mean the yes. same thing.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: If I, if I read the translation mm-hmm. properly, um, I think that's what Andy Stanley was trying to do. He changed the dot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And Jesus is right here telling us, no, we're not changing any dots or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm here to fulfill which is in direct contrast to what Andy Stanley is trying to say.
0: I a hundred percent that <clears throat> goodness, our throats are all messed up now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of different it's ways. All your fault, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different ways. You'll see that translated. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. A lot of times it's jots and tittles and in, in English, it doesn't make that's, a lot of sense, but with my tittles. Yeah. In Hebrew, you have a, a core word. So you have the Hebrew alphabet and that's how you form words and vowels are actually sorry, sunny. Shame <laughs> on you. Hey, that was my alarm.
1: <laughs> That's my afternoon nap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm gotcha. tired.
0: I got gotcha. you.
4: <laughs> and I'm one that gets in trouble for naps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to change to to vowels were vowel points. So what they're what we're called. So in English we have vowels as their own letters. In Hebrew they were little these little pen strokes that were applied to the actual consonant letters. And that's what, are, that's what he's referencing by jots and tittles or smallest strokes, these, these tiny little pen strokes on the consonant that would add the vowel point that would completely change the meaning of a word. He's saying not even a simple tiny little vowel point is going to change in the, in, the, in the writings of the law and the prophets until everything has been accomplished. Now, that's really important, too, because we misuse that also. That's genomi e genoma in Greek, and it means until everything has happened. Now, a lot of times the, the way we try to weasel out of what Jesus is clearly saying here is we say, well, everything happened at the cross. Therefore, the law is done away with after the cross and canceled out. He just said the law and the prophets though. Like he's talking about law and the prophets. Not everything has happened in the writings of the prophets. I hate to break it. to you. If Jesus hasn't returned yet, if the, the thousand-year reign hasn't occurred yet, if the new heaven and new earth hasn't been been made yet, because he talks about that too, mm-hmm. until heaven and earth pass away, yes. that's the fulfillment of prophecy. Eventually, all of this is going to be destroyed, and he's going to create a new heaven. That hasn't happened yet. And he's saying until all of this happens, not even a simple vowel point is going to be removed from the law and the prophets. That's what he's saying here. That's the full context. And that is the opposite of what that book reference I read is telling you to cancel this out because it's no longer relevant to us mm-hmm. because it's been fulfilled. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's been brought to a full measure. That's true. But it hasn't been fulfilled in the sense that we just get rid of it, unhitch from it, and pretend like it doesn't exist because we don't. our faith doesn't, doesn't rise or fall on the validity of these Hebrew scriptures. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. According to Jesus, it absolutely does. Our faith is dependent upon he, he these. He said Hebrew so right scriptures. there. Yeah. It's it's in
4: it's in the Bible. It's it's his words. So how can we discount that?
0: Right.
3: Well, it's impossible for him to complete or bring to fruition how you want to say it, fulfill, without what the prophet said. Exactly right. You've got to know what they said and you've got to know all that history from Genesis to Malachi to Matthew, you've got to understand that history. In order for him to fulfill it, yeah. Otherwise, there's no way he can bring it to to a fruition.
0: There's a lot of prophecy that's talking about the, you know, the what, what prophetically is called the Day of the Lord. Yes, which is in the future. Right, it's that time of tribulation before Jesus even returns. That's what's so bar- bizarre to me about treating these prophets like they're, they're old they old testament they're old covenant they're not as relevant to us. They're prophesying about events that haven't even happened yet. How much more new covenant can you be? Right, they're just mm-hmm. as relevant in the new covenant as Matthew, Matthew, Luke, John, Mark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're just as relevant because they're talking about events that are relevant. If if Revelation, if the book of Revelation is relevant in the new covenant, so is Isaiah.
3: Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So
0: is Zechariah, they're talking about the same events. So I, I've never understood the idea behind taking, taking, like, for example, like Revelation and placing it in the new covenant, treating, treating that like it's fully relevant and putting everything else behind it yeah. or, or in, you know, on the other side of it and acting like it's not quite as relevant because they're prophesying about the same things. Just because they yeah. prophesied on on different sides of the birth and, and uh, you know, of, of the birth of Jesus doesn't mean that they're more or less relevant to one another. Right. Right, they're 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 receiving revelation from the same Almighty Father about the same events. Yep. all of this is relevant, and it's very dangerous to have this idea that we should just unhitch from that because it's not popular because they say things that that hurt our fiefies. Yep. You know, God isn't too terribly concerned with our. F- you didn't like that Fee-pies, Fee-pies? our feelings. Oh, I was oh, trying, to I was, oh, trying oh. to. I was trying to figure out what that meant.
3: No, I was. Uh, I was like. I, I was waiting what? for him to see. He jumped on me on hoop loss. So well, <laughs>
1: it took me a minute to really, because I was like, hey, just creating our own oh, voice.
3: Yeah. I thought he was referring to his I, feet. I, I didn't know.
0: feelings. I, yes. I I usually call them feelers. Feelers. I like that. That might be better. Yeah. Sorry. The father isn't overly concerned with our feelings. He's, yeah. he's concerned with our salvation. Exactly. That's what he's concerned with. Yeah. And if he has to hurt our feelings, feelings to draw us to him, very fickle. Yep. You know very know fickle.
2: Mean?
3: Yep. And you can't understand revelation without understanding Ezekiel and Daniel because revelation references those. Mm-hmm. So to unhitch from it, then you really don't understand what's going to happen in the end times anyway. No, you right. don't. Because the prophets have already told us and a lot of what revelation does is references that. Yes. Right? A so.
0: proper understanding is yes. very dependent upon understanding what, yeah, I like the reference to Ezekiel. He's a very important prophet for, for our day, for our day and time. And- I
1: mean, I think he's saying here, like, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And then at the end of 18, uh, by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled, Mm -hmm. meaning that it's still existing. It's still going to happen. There's more in it than just this yes then just what i am doing it's still happening until the end of time yeah the heavens and the earth pass away
0: yes you can't disconnect yourself from this you can't disconnect yourself from the words of the father and think that you're sharing a full gospel you're just not
1: no
4: he even gives a stern warning in 19
0: he does yeah let's go ahead and read that whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same Shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of ke- of heaven. There's that olive branch of hope there too, because it seems to imply that they're both in the kingdom of heaven. This is yep. because it goes and back see, to that that Corinthians warning about yep. rewards and consequence.
1: Yeah, and see, that's the consequence. You're going to be the least in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you're suffer you're, loss. You're you're still in heaven. You're still in heaven that it's a whole different teaching than what I've ever been taught. Yeah. You know what I mean? hmm I've never been taught that even somebody that breaks the commandments, that teaches men wrong, that you're still going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Right. You're going to hell. You know what I mean? That's what I've been taught. And just to know Even if you do screw up, even if you do, like, you know, like, I don't see a lot of people seeing this as it actually reads. Right. You know what I mean? They always think, you know, you don't follow everything, you're going to hell. You know,
0: that's, I
1: I have really hard feelings on that because I've seen it taught so many times.
0: It's often taught from a place of pride, in okay. my experience. Mm.
3: Well, I think, you know, <clears throat> that but that verse in Revelation where God is going to wipe every tear in, from our eyes, we sometimes miss that because I was talking about the judgment seat. Mm-hmm. That's right after the judgment seat of Christ, ju- the judgment seat, or where you're talking about the c- believers being rewarded, mm-hmm. and the loss of reward and the sadness that comes. Yeah. From that. We talk about there's no sorrow in heaven, and that's true, but that's really the context of what he's talking about. He's gonna wipe away those tears. You know, <clears throat> it's okay. You know, you're the, you're the least of these, you're still you're still in heaven. <laughs> but yes, you missed out on these on these rewards and there's sorrow for not living our lives to its fullest for Christ. Mm-hmm. Where we're supposed to make the most of what God has provided for us. Absolutely. And so
0: So in verse 19 19 there, annuls, that's Luo. And it's, it's related to kataluo that we saw in, what's that, verse uh, 17. And it means basically the same thing, to loosen or to untie. So he's saying that anyone, anyone who loosens, even so much as loosens, even the least of the commandments. So he's, he's again, this is the context of the law, the biblical commandments given to all people, right? He's saying if you loosen even the least of those commandments, the ones that are the, the that you consider the least, the, the, the not-so-weighty commandments, if you loosen those, there's consequences for that, especially if you teach others to do the same. And that shall be is very important, too, because he's talking future context there. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, as, as as it is right now, this is what would happen, but I'm going to change things at the cross. He's saying shall be. He's saying in the future, like you mentioned, Mikey, at the judgment seat, yes. mm-hmm. it shall be. This is what's going to happen. This isn't going to change. This is what's going to happen. And that that applies to, there are three arguments that I tend to hear. And before I get into that, I just want to say, based upon these definitions, just to make it clear, this is essentially what Jesus is saying here. Don't think that I am loosening the law or the prophets. I'm bringing them to full capacity. The law won't loosen until everything, hard emphasis, everything happens. That's essentially a summary based upon the Greek language there of what he's saying there, just to make it very clear we can't twist his words to accommodate our pet theology, our pet doctrine, or to accommodate somebody in the marketplace that doesn't like what the father has to say. Right. This is what Jesus says. <laughs> right. And we can't reword what he says. We can't twist his words. Right. He said it. He's either our Lord or he's not. And if you want him as your Lord, then you have to obey what he says or strive to. Imperfectly. We're all imperfect. Yes. I, I struggle hard sometimes. <laughs> He's looking for a willing heart yes. is what he's looking for. Not somebody that's seeking after excuses to, to get away with how much sin can I commit? Mm-hmm. Right. How much sin can I commit and still squeak in? Right. He wants somebody that has, he, he wants your whole heart. Yes. He wants all of you.
1: Well, it kind of goes back to, um, you know, the 10%, how we talked, uh, was it last week? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I, I talked with a coworker the other day and kind of brought that up and, um, you know, the, the tithing, the offering, um, you know, scientists sit there and say, you know, we only use 10% of our brain. 90% of our brain is automatic. You know, it runs our body. It, It does all of our functions. It does everything that it's supposed to do. You know, consciously we use 10%, you know. God says, you know, your your offerings, your your tithes is ten percent. Ten percent is all of you. You know, it's not money, it's not everything, it's your heart, your soul, your mind. Um and for whatever reason I believe that. Like that stuck in my head now and I can't get rid of it. Yeah. Like I that's I don't know, it just feels right. It feels like that's what he means.
3: Well, I think it does. Like you just said, it boils down to the heart. And I think that's the importance of not to get ahead of yourself, ahead of where Carl you're going, but no, you're good. that's the importance of the next verse. Therefore, whoever re- um, relaxes these commandments and teaches others to do the same. In the key. Relax
0: is a good word. That's yeah. a really good word.
3: Um, let's see. Where, where am I at here?
0: Verse 19.
3: Yes. Thank you. It says, um, for I tell you, Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the importance of the heart of the matter, of the whole thing. You know, that's where he's getting to. You know, unless you're well what is he talking about? Well, they were all about outward show. Their mm-hmm. righteousness was all about, look what I'm doing. You know, when they pray, they give big flamboyant words and big flamboyant prayers. And when they give, they let everybody know, hey, I'm giving, look at me, look what I've done, look how much I'm giving. And it was all about their their show. And what he's talking about is the heart of the issue. Yeah. I mean, the heart of what, you know, I've come to fulfill the law, and that's what the law comes down to, the heart of the issue, because it points us to the Savior. Without the law, we don't need a Savior. <laughs> if the law is abolished, then we really have no moral standards and no moral compass, and therefore we can just live however we want to. Right. Right but the law is there to point us to the savior is point us to Christ. He, he's, he's not abolished it. He's saying, Hey, look, have we ever, you know, in fact, that's where he almost enhances the law, you know, where he says, if you hate somebody adds to, yeah. Well, not really adds to, but he just, he, he brings spin, clarity to, yeah, brings yeah, clarity. Yeah. 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 You know, if you, if you hate somebody then you've committed murder, mm-hmm. if you've lust if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery with her. Yeah. And so that's where the heart of issue, I think that's what he's talking about here. He's not abolishing that. He's not saying it doesn't exist. What he's saying is we we need we need the savior. We need to get down yeah. to the heart of service for him and the heart of following what he said and doing what he commands. Yeah. Right. Motivation
0: is very very important. That's the stark the the stark warning here. You know, we we see this hope in verse 19 that yeah, you're in the kingdom, but you're going to suffer suffer loss because you didn't build the way you should, but then we see this warning to the Pharisees, if you continue on your path, you won't even be there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because of that evil heart condition they had, you know, the sort of heart condition, like I referenced, that would be so angry that he helped somebody on the Sabbath, they would want to murder him for it. (laughs) It's despicable. You know what I mean? Like, I think what he's saying is you have an outward show because it gains you something for yourself. You have no love of the father and without love of the father, you won't make it right. You can, Mm -hmm. you can make it into heaven. Um, If you have love of the father, but you didn't apply it in the right way and suffer some loss. But if you don't have love for the father, you won't even be there. I think that's what he's warning about here. You need to have a genuine love for him. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Didn't Jesus,
4: excuse me. He also said those people that do that, that, you stand on the street corner and preach and look at me. I'm giving all this money. They have received their reward. He does. Yeah. So
3: if that's their reward, that's one I don't want. Exactly. Correct. And that's his point. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think absolutely right I've got the praise of men but that's not what we're that's an audience of one exactly right
0: and I like that you mentioned that too about you know he could just get rid of the law yeah he could yeah. he's unwilling to and yes. I think that highlights the permanency of the law we have too many we have too many doctrines and theologies to make the law that treat the law like it's something that can just be discarded now because we have Jesus now if it was if it was that easy then he could have done that without sending his son to die a horrific death Right? <laughs> right. If it was that simple, why didn't he just snap his fingers and say, okay, you know, what? I'm just going to take the law away and now you can do whatever you want. And I'm still going to let you into heaven. He could do that. He can do anything he wants. He won't do that. What he can do and what he will do are two very different things. And sometimes I think we forget that he's a holy God because he chooses to be. He's a, he's, he, he he's a God who defines right and wrong because he chooses to be. And he's unwilling to alter from that. And he, he desires us to uh, to abide by that choice he has made, that permanent choice he has made. And not his only is morality that choice, is permanent. It's it's his nature. It's his nature. I mean, Absolutely.
3: It. That's a better I mean, way. Yeah. yeah. It's his nature to be holy. Right. That's who he is. Yes. So it's not just that he's choosing to be holy. It's so I'm not, not trying to No, I'm not trying clarify. to correct you, Please but, clarify Please clarify I mean he that's his nature is holiness. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. That's the being that he is. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it just highlights that we can't treat his definition of holiness, which is what the law is. Yes. I'm glad you clarified yes. that because that's yeah. that's that's the point I'm trying to drive at. He is a holy God. His law defines holiness. And yes. just because we have Jesus now doesn't mean that we get to play fast and loose with his definition of holiness. And that's too often what we tend to do. We think that his grace gives us a license to sin. And it doesn't. There are consequences if we choose to play fast and loose with that definition. and too often, that's what we've embraced as the mainstream of just, I can I can do it. I have Christian liberty to kind of do whatever. I don't like this thing here, so I'm going to discard that. This stuff I agree with because it's easy for me to comply with, so I'm going to say that that's, that applies to us now. You can't pick and choose. It's not a buffet. His definition of right and wrong is not a buffet where you just get to, to choose what you like and leave behind the rest. It's an all or nothing thing. Yes.
4: Yeah, I'm a buffet guy, so I understand that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So there are, and this we will, we'll start to wrap it up and get to our closing thoughts, but there are typically three arguments to sort of ignore what Jesus is saying here. One is that it's not relevant in the new covenant. And I think we, you know, there are some other things that we can get into and we will in a future episode, but really what destroys that narrative is that shall be, shall be, you shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. You shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That's new covenant. He's looking in the future and saying that everything I just said here. This applies to the judgment seat in the future. That's new covenant context. The other argument would be that he's only talking to the Jews. And I've actually seen this argument get so extreme that I recently saw somebody share the, 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 the new Vogue doctrine that technically new covenant didn't start until after the cross. So really everything Jesus said we can ignore all of that because it doesn't apply to us because that's really the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They were advoc- They were honestly advocating for shifting that blank page to after the Gospels because the Gospels were actually Old Testament. This is the links what? that some people, yes, this, I saw this. These, these are the links that people are going to to ignore what Jesus tells us because what he says is uncomfortable. He's pretty forthright, right? And we don't like that. <laughs> We don't like that. What did you say? Puts us in our box, sonny? Puts,
1: puts us in our box. Brother, he puts I mean,
0: me in my box all the time and I day. don't like it, but no, it's
1: my good. No, it's I mean, for my good. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it it puts you in your place.
0: And I should say my flesh doesn't like it. I like it.
1: My uh, flesh no, man does. No, you fight it too. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. And that's the thing is it, I mean, I don't like being in my box. It. It's not a good place to be, but. It's necessary for refinement mm-hmm. And you know that's all I mean you don't want nothing bad for us. He's not trying to put us in a bad place. exactly. He's not trying to make us do anything crazy. I mean sometimes maybe, but <laughs> you know I mean it yeah, we might die truthfully, you know it comes down to it you know and times are changing. Times are getting wild and you you never know what could happen. But the thing is, is right now, as of this moment, you know, our lives aren't in danger for being Christians. You know, our lives are not, you know, hanging on by a thread or we're not having to sneak off somewhere and do this, mm. you know, um, but we as Christians, we... We have to reach people and we have to refine ourselves as we reach people. And then we have to help them refine themselves. Yep. And I think that's, that's huge for everything, for everybody.
3: Yeah. And if we do that, we, I mean, that theory you're talking about, if we did that, we would have no idea what Paul was talking about anyway. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we would have. I mean, there would be no way to understand what he's talking about because he references the Old Testament and the scrolls and the law all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. So if we ignore that, then we have no idea what he's even talking about. Exactly. A, a lot
0: of what he does in his letters is what what's referred to as midrash. It's a it's a it's a very uh, traditional way for uh, rabbinic debate. And a lot of times that's what he's engaging in with his letters, is midrash. And the reason that's important is because it's, it's debate about how to interpret and properly handle and apply the Hebrew scripture. Yeah. And if you, if you throw out the Hebrew scripture, you can't understand at all what Paul's saying. You're just, you're, you're going to rip everything he says out of context as if he was writing to your, to, to the Baptist church down the street. Mm-hmm. And that's not yeah. what he was doing. You know, there's there's a very important context in his writings there, and if we throw out half of our Bible, we lose that context, and it creates pretext. Yeah. So, like I said, the, the other argument is that he's only talking to the Jews and that the law is only relevant to the Jews. I want to rattle off a couple of verses to, that, that very quickly proves that wrong. Leviticus 19, verse 34, The stranger, or the Gentile, who, reside, who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt." I am Yahweh your God. So, just like the native born. Exodus chapter 12 verse 49. The same law shall apply to the Gentile or I'm sorry, to the native born as to the Gentile who sojourns among you. Same law applies to both. Leviticus 24:22. There shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the Gentile as well as the native born for I am Yahweh your God. Numbers chapter nine, verse 14. If an alien or a Gentile sojourns among you and observes the Passover to Yahweh, according to the statutes of the Passover and according to its ordinances, so so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the alien and for the native of the land. I'm going to stop there. I could keep going. The law says again and again and again and again that it was never, ever, 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 ever intended just for the Jews. By the way, the Jews is one tribe. It was, wasn't even ever intended just for the native-born sons and daughters of Israel. It was always in, intended for anyone who wanted to be in covenant, in faith, with the Father, whether you were a Gentile or not. When you were a Gentile and you came into covenant, you were no longer considered like a Gentile. You were considered just like the native-born. That was always we talked about, Mike, about the intent of the law, how, how Jesus clarifies the intent of the law. Not necessarily how it was applied up to that point, What the father intended with the law what the father intended with the law was that it was essentially the constitution guiding and directing his nation which was always intended to be the only nation right the end goal for the father is a new heaven and a new earth it's just israel just the father the son and his people one nation One constitution, one law, one standard of right and wrong. That was always the intent. So the idea that he has a double standard, he has one standard for the Jews over here and a completely different standard for Gentile believers over here, not biblical. It is purely not biblical. You have to ignore too many verses to hold on to the theology that the law was only for the Jews, and I hear that theology commonly. That's a commonplace theology. That's not just uh, a heretical book theology. That's very, 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 very common theology taught in the the preponderance of Bible colleges and seminaries that are training pastors today. And those verses prove it wrong, very easily prove it wrong, and that's a problem. When you can look to verses that very clearly state that this is not right, and we defer toward ignoring those verses, we need to do a serious heart check. We really do. And we need to go back to the foundation of what the Father says.
4: Well, I think, you know, my thought on that is, Jesus came to clarify, I like that word, uh, the law, because at that time, the Pharisees were distorting the
0: law. Yes, they polluted it so much. They polluted
4: it, and it needed to be fixed. Not the law itself, but what was happening to the laws.
0: I think that's such an important thing to mention, too, because I think too often we tend to view the law based upon the way the Pharisees had polluted the law. We don't view the law the way the Father worded it. Yes, we don't view it in the purity of the Father's word. We view it in the impurity of the way the Pharisees mishandled and misapplied it, and we've got to shift our focus from that. The way
4: man changed it to fit what man wanted things to do.
0: Absolutely. And, and,
4: you know, if you know a little bit about the Pharisees, in my humble opinion they were all about power money and control yep. yeah. and that goes against what the laws are about you know the greatest man ever was jesus and you know he came from our father in heaven and if you're changing his laws you're going against our father in heaven he makes it it's, it's so clear i don't understand how people can read the scriptures especially when Jesus is speaking about the law and then write a book like Carl cited from today and and actually put that book out there as this is what it is and promote it I, 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 I I'm, I'm blown away by that I I don't know that's kind of my final thought
0: oh should I cut that out and put that at the end then or you just want to repeat it
4: I can't remember what I said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very good. Well, thank you.
4: Cut it out and put it at the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'll end with this. Typically, the third argument is uh, Jesus narrowed it down to two. So I want to read. It's Matthew chapter 22, verse, where am I going to start? I'll start in verse 34. So uh, he had just had an interaction with the Sadducees a group similar to the Pharisees, but with a different doctrine about marriage. And he kind of tells them, I I love what he says here. I think that's actually important because it's in the context, kind of what we're talking about in verse 29, when the Sadducees bring this question to him, we're told that Jesus responds with, you are mistaken because you don't understand the scriptures. And that's exactly sort of what we're getting at here. When we don't understand the full word of God, when when we cut chunks of it out, or we just listen to some sermons and we don't actually test things, it can lead us to being mistaken. Mm-hmm. Even if our heart's genuine, even if our heart's pure, even if we think we're being loving and kind and compassionate, we can be mistaken because we don't know the scripture. And it's really important to know what the scripture says. Yes. So skipping down in verse 34 says, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him. So he's he's not asking this from a pure a pure heart mm-hmm. with good motivation. He's trying to trick him. they you know this the Pharisees are trying, trying to trick, to trip, him,
1: trip him up and say the wrong thing.
0: Exactly, they're trying to trick him into saying something they can accuse him of blasphemy for, so they can justify killing him. Mm-hmm. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 there. So he's quoting from the law. He's not, sometimes this is handled as if he's creating new laws. He's not. He's quoting from the law itself. So this is the law of Moses that he's quoting from, or the law given through Moses. This is the great and foremost commandment. So loving God, top of the pile. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. On these two commandments, this is the important part that we gloss over. We read those first two. Oh, love God and neighbor, that's it. That's all we got to do now. Even though we don't really know how he defines that. Because how do you define love, right? We I have to know say. how the Father defines love. If we want to love God, we have to know how he says he feels loved, right? So we have to look at his definition. And that's why verse 40 is very important. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That word depend there is kramanumi, and it literally means to hang or to, sus- to suspend or to anchor. So every every jot and tittle of the law and the prophets is anchored or hung from these two commands, he says. So he's not giving us new commands. He's not reducing down to just two commands to disregard the rest. He's saying that these two commands define the law and the prophets. He's saying you could take every commandment, and every prophecy given throughout the word of God. Every 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 syllable breathed out by the mouth of the Father, and you could treat it like two anchor points on the wall and hang it on one or the other. It either applies to loving God or loving neighbor. Yep. It's one of those two things. It hangs on one of those two anchors, on one of those two nails. He's not removing the anchor, like Andy Stanley says we should do. That's not what he's doing here. What he's doing is he's defining the anchor point, a proper, solid anchor point. If you hang yourself... On these two anchors, you'll never go astray. That's what he's essentially saying here. He's not undoing anything. He's not annulling anything, and he's not abolishing anything. And that's how we tend to treat that. He's saying that this is the definition of the law and the prophets. And there's, it's, it's telling here that the Pharisees saw no blasphemy in this. Now, if he was saying that we don't have to obey the rest of the law, immediately it would say, see, he's a false prophet. Stone him they didn't because they understood what he was saying even the pharisees as as off center as they were they understood what he was saying he's defining the law and the prophets he answered that good darn it <laughs> it's essentially you know their perspective they wanted to trip him up and he didn't trip up here because he said what was absolutely true if you define the law of God, if you define the word of the Father, it's it's defined by loving him first and foremost. And then he added, love your neighbor as yourself. They didn't ask for that, by the way. They just asked for the foremost command. You mm-hmm. gave them a little extra with love neighbor. And I think that was a dig to them, by the way. I mm-hmm. think the right answer is love God, number one. I think when he said the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself, I believe he was digging at the Pharisees there. Right. I believe he's telling them, by the way, here's part that you don't do. Yep. <laughs> loving neighbor. You haven't done that in how long? I guess all I got. You guys got any thoughts? Actually, let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts.
4: I've already gone, so. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: I really like this one cuz uh it 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 kind of it put me in my place on a couple of things and and it kind of spoke of what I've been going through. And um
0: um it's been happening a lot recently.
1: Yeah. And, me
0: too. Yep.
1: You know, it kinda reminds me of, you know, where I should be, where my heart should be, where uh my mind should be. And um I kind of smacks me in the face a little bit. But um
4: Just so you know, Sonny, I'm always here to smack you if you need help. Oh no. I, don't, I, don't well, I just want to offer my services if you need it. Yeah, yeah. I want to be helpful. I want to be a servant. I'm willing to smack you. Yeah.
1: I got a, I got enough scars for now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is is um I think for this whole entire deal, it's for this podcast today, I think my final thought is just watch yourself of what you listen to watch yourself of what you learn, make sure that you sit there and check everything from the Bible, make sure that it's godly, make sure that it's biblical and, um, you know, just watch yourself and watch, watch what you're, watch what you're doing because it can be easily led astray and, you don't want to get into something that you don't want to because it's easily done. Just, you know, God, God tells you to, to guard your heart, guard your mind and, uh, you know, put on the armor of God every day. So, I mean, if that's what he tells us to do, we have to do it. We have to keep doing it every single day. Every single moment. And, you know, books like that, they scare me, you know, because I'm a new believer. I, well, I'm not a new believer. I've believed for since I was young. That I believe that's the only reason why I'm still here is because, you know, I believed through all this. I just never knew how to, to start my, my search. You know, I never knew how to. I was always scared to start it. I was always scared to where it would lead. But, uh, you know, books like that, they, they worry me, you know, preachers that we have talked about that have led people astray and do stuff like that. It scares me because I mean, there's people out there that are heartfelt. They, they really believe those things and they have love for those people and they have love for God and they're, They're genuine, genuinely misled, or genuinely everything about them is what they believe. That's what God's about, and they've been misled, and that kind of pains me, and that kind of makes me think about, and then that makes me want to ask the question: God, why? Why is it like that? But then. He says right here, you have to be the light. You have to be that light of the world showing the right way. And you have to shine bright because there's other little lights out there and people jump from them and keep going on. But that's my final
4: thought.
0: She's a good one, too. It was great. Sheep often don't get lost on their own. Yeah. Very often, a, sh- a sheep wanders astray because another sheep led them there. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. We've got to be very careful in who we're following and make sure that we're testing it to, to ensure that we're following after the good shepherd and staying in his flock. Mm. What have you got, Mike? Was that really your final thought earlier? You got something else?
4: Well, I think I'm going to rest on what I said earlier. Um, I think proving out everything and being in the word so that you're not led astray just to piggyback off of Sonny is so important I mean, because everyone believes what they believe because they trusted somebody somewhere in their life at that time that they were telling them, this is correct. He didn't. God didn't give us a mind so that we can follow blindly. He wants us to know that we're following properly. I'm not saying this correctly. It sounded better in my head. It's probably where it should have stayed. <laughs> but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, everything he does is beautiful and everything he does is right. And it's in the scripture. If you have to, if you're an individual that needs to have proof, it's there. There's, there's a reason that the Bible is, is the number one book published every single year and has been. I mean, it's, it's been proved out historically. It's been proved out scientifically. It's the faith that you need to follow, to surrender yourself and just get in the word and get a foundation that aligns with Jesus. I guess that's gonna be my final 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 final, final word. I'm out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Micah. God wants us to serve him with a genuine heart and he's looking he's looking for a heart and he doesn't want our show. He doesn't want our checklists. He doesn't want us self-righteous, self, self pushing away justification of what we do for our actions. We can all, and I've been guilty of that as well. You know, we're, we're all really good about justifying ourselves. I'm not. I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Right. Yeah. Well, that other guy's not the standard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The law is the standard. God's the standard, yeah. and yep. we we need to adhere to His His law. Yep.
1: yep. I
0: love that. That's
3: pretty good. <laughs> you know, the guy's not the standard, yeah. That's
0: good. We're gonna make a shirt of that. Yep. <laughs> be on sale next week. Yep. That's a great <laughs> really. idea. The yeah.
4: person
1: you're looking at is not the standard.
4: Mm. So, I'm I, not the standard. He's the standard. Yeah. There you go. I Like it. Yeah. Look for Forrest Gump. Maybe we can get get a shirt out there like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Before I give my final thought, I want I want to read the next couple of verses in Luke 20, or I'm sorry, Matthew 22, where we left off. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. Jesus said to them, then how does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? I think too often, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again and probably again, we love the idea of having Jesus as our Savior and our rewarder. Too often we aren't as in love with the idea of having him as our Lord and our lawgiver and the one that decides right and wrong for us and how it is we should behave. But you can't have one without the, without the other. If he's your Savior, he's also your Lord. It's got to be both. We've got to accept him as both we've got to allow uh, we've got to allow him to anchor our faith when we were on vacation we stayed at uh like this this house that people were, were what do you call that airbnb airbnb not airbnb. a sponsor yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> we stayed at an airbnb and it was the first time they had rented it out to somebody so we were the we were the first guests. it was super cool they had like these bible references around even the wi-fi password was from proverbs it was so neat but uh it was just a nice little after a really rough day I remember that day it was awful. Like everything that went wrong, our vehicle broke down the whole nine yards and everything. So we got there and it was just kind of a nice like, hey, I'm here type of mm-hmm. thing from the father. But we were staying. So I we, we were traveling with my parents and it was my me, my wife, our two our two kids and, and my parents. We were all traveling together and the bedroom that my wife and I and our kids were staying in was downstairs. So they had a, a finished basement with the bedroom down there. So, Steph took our littlest, our four-year-old at the time, Faith, downstairs, and we were hanging out upstairs watching TV and stuff, and we heard this crash, this, this awful crash. I'm like, oh, man, what happened? Because there's stairs, so I'm like in a panic, right? So, I rushed downstairs, and I see what happened. And the way this bedroom had been set up, there, was, there were two full-size beds, one on each wall, and in the middle was a wall shelf, right, anchored to the wall, and it had crashed to the ground. And my stepdad and I started looking at it. And what had happened was the wall shelf wasn't properly anchored. They didn't use proper wall anchors. They mm-hmm. just used drywall screws for a wall shelf. They never actually used it as a shelf. It was just a decoration at that point, right? right. So my littlest went up treating it like a shelf, like it was supposed to be used. She put her tablet on it and put a little bit of weight on it. and It just crashed, mm-hmm. right? Easy fix, right? Yeah. We were able to fix it with proper wall anchors. Right. And, and make it like it had never fallen. But the problem was it wasn't properly anchored. Right. And I think that's the problem we come to with our faith too often. We don't like the anchor as he defines it. We don't like that. We want to we give the image of a proper wall shelf, but we don't like the anchor point.
1: We, we don't like taking the time to go to the hardware store to go get the right anchor and come back. We just use a simple screw
0: that we have in our toolbox. Love it. We don't want to put the work in. Right great now. analogy, Sonny. I yeah. love that. We don't want to put the work in. Yeah. We want to be the wall shelf. Yeah. We want to have all the appearances of a wall shelf. We don't want to put the work in to properly anchoring as a wall shelf. It can be fixed. The problem is when you don't properly anchor your faith, the moment a little bit of pressure from the enemy is applied, you run the risk of crashing down. Crashing down. Doesn't even have to be the enemy. Doesn't. It's a great it story. Doesn't.
4: Great story. Great analogy, Carl.
0: We need to respect the anchor point. We need to respect him as our anchor point in his definition. When you accept him as Lord of our life in his words, on his terms, I should say, that needs to be our goal. That needs to be our focus, regardless of what we're taught. And we need to shine that light to a lost and broken world because they're not hungry for false hope. Okay. They're not hungry for lies. They're not hungry for a powerless church. They're hungry for the truth and the power of God made manifest to transform and change their life. That's what the world is hungry for, and that has got to be the light we shine in. Until we anchor ourselves properly, we're never going to shine that. Go ahead.
1: Simon. And I think that's why a lot of Christians end up not being fulfilled. That's why they they come to church. They feel, you know, everybody tries to fill this void. You know, they try to fill this this void that we have with, you know you know some people try to do it with alcohol some people try to do it with drugs sex or whatever and uh you know I, even some christians they 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 try to fill it with with church or yep. you know serving or anything else but you have to have the word involved you have to have the old testament the new testament you have to have all of it entwined together to be able to fill that void and once you and it's never done you're always filling You're always feeling, you're always feeling because the living word changes for you every day and it can, you can read one passage, you know, a year later, it could end up being something completely different and have a whole new meaning. So,
0: yeah, it's a daily living sacrifice. We need to walk that out.
1: So that void just becomes all in one and everything ends up. Once you do that, once you have the love, once you have the respect, the everything that ends up becoming that light.
0: Amen. Love it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the record. For those of you on the other side of the mic, I want to thank you so much for listening. And we genuinely pray that this has been a blessing. Yes. And I do encourage you, dig into your word. Don't take anything anyone tells you or teaches you at face value, including this podcast, especially this podcast. Test everything. Get into your word. The full word, Genesis to Revelation, and test everything and align yourself to your cornerstone. Be squared to him. Build as he tells you to build with the materials he tells you to build with. Take his teachings seriously and apply them. Don't let any group or crowd bully you into doing otherwise because you're responsible for your faith. You're responsible for your walk. And you'll be the reason that you get rewarded or 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 suffer loss when you come to the judgment seat of Christ based upon how you handled your faith. Don't be a follower of anyone, but your good shepherd, respect your leaders, respect the people put into place, grow from the knowledge of others, allow people to sharpen you and sharpen others, but only follow the good shepherd. He's the only one worthy of following. Amen. If you have any comments, questions, feedback, topic ideas, anything, I'd like to turn the top half of this episode into just a Q&A session. So if you just want to send us questions, that'd be great. We can field those that questions on awesome. the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Get some interaction. I would love that. Absolutely. Um, we, you can reach out to us on Facebook. At Broken Record Ministries. It's a Facebook group. You can join us and you can reach out to us there. You can, honestly, you can look me up. I'll give my name, Carl Mefford. You can look me up and, and private message me. I get flooded all the time anyway, so I'm not scared. Sonny <laughs> Hartzell. <laughs> yeah. We also have a Twitter feed. It's uh, uh, Digging Deeper by Broken Record Ministries. You can look us up. It's at DD by BRM, at DD by BRM. You can also email us at Broken Record Ministries at gmail.com. We just want to thank you so much for, for, for listening and and God bless each and every one of you. This has been Broken This has been, what's this been? Digging Deeper. Go, you, you do it. I haven't done the outros for so long, man. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say anymore. I don't even know what it is. This, is, <laughs> this has been Digging Deeper, a broadcast of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. So long. See ya. Follow Christ. Amen. I out there for a second. I really did.
2: I did
5: too. Death yeah. He's a king, he's coming back for righteous war to establish yeah. Yeshua, I'm a shear. you my lord, I confess it If I die in battle for you, that'd be a beautiful blessing I got a fire in me, ain't no retiring I'm a kid looking skyward while I shoot It's the way that you hardwired me Ain't yeah. either way, I know I'm hitting my target A train shooter, I know I'm just supposed to aim at the darkness where breed, ASAP, Nikki Gracious, we
1: warrior. You can never stand against us if the lord be for us, I'm ready You can tell that I'm already you <laughs>